Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. We're both hungover. Viciously. We both went to holiday parties last night. Tis the season. But we were at different parties. Tis the fucking season. Um, Shout out to my old roommate, Emily, for inviting me to her company's party, since I don't have anyone I work for who invited (laughs) me to a party. Yeah, the Cornerstone party was fun, man. I went to the Cornerstone party last year. Yeah. Um, I did have fun. Was it the same same No, it was at this venue over on the west side, like Americano Hotel. Okay. It's on the roof. It was cool. Good food, good drink. Yeah, I just, I tried one of of everything. It seems like... That's the way it goes. I've never had, like, when I worked at AP, we didn't really have holiday parties. And the only holiday party I went to at Fuse, we went, they do, like, a, you get invited to a giant one that was, that's at Madison Square Garden. Holy like, shit. Like, on the floor. But I remember the year I went was the day that Stevens on Total Rock Show got canceled. Nice. And I remember we all <laughs> went over there and got just hammered. Oh, fuck. Really? Yes. Yeah, like, on the floor of MSG. And it was, like, a bunch of people. I can't believe they let you come to the party. Yeah. I mean... There were two things that happened that day. We I guess got, it's different than being fired. Your show's canceled. Yeah, but like it was sort of like being fired because they were like... I remember being like, well, can we do like a farewell episode or something? And they're like, no, you're done. <laughs> and like, okay. It's not like they had, they had a, security had to escort you from the building. No, security didn't escort us. But I was supposed to be, this is actually up on my website and it's on YouTube. I was supposed to be in a promo. I was in a couple of promos for the show that they were showing Fuse. And there was one where they wanted me to, I had like my Afro and these Ray-Bans and they were like, we want you to hold these signs like that Bob Dylan video. Yeah. For, what is it? Like Subterranean Homesick Blue? Uh, no, I, I can't know. remember what's on. I know the video. Yeah, the really famous Dylan yeah, yeah. video. They wanted me to do it. And the people who asked me to do it were like in the promo department. They had no idea the show was getting canceled. So they came over after it happened, and they're like, are you still done to this promo today? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? We're all, we have a crew. We're ready to do it. It's me and that guy, Jared, who's been on the podcast. And I was like, I was like, my show just got canceled. Like, I'm not going to go do this thing for free to promote your channel. <laughs> like, I'm mad at you. <laughs> and they felt so bad. And then they were like, well, what if we give you your day rate twice for today? Like, they were like, basically, we'll pay you double if you do this promo. Right. It's going to take, like, 15 minutes. Right. And part of me, I remember being totally conflicted because part of me was like, you know what? I want to say just, like, no. Like, keep your money. <laughs> like, you guys, like, just canceled my show, Maddie. And then part of me was like, <laughs> I'm out of work. I'm out of work. <laughs> like, I should not be turning down easy money. So I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. And you can watch it. You can still watch it. It's pretty funny. You made the right decision. Yeah. As I've tried to explain over and over again, being punk rock doesn't doesn't work out well in the long run. Well, it's just yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> what who who wins in that? Like they'll just have someone else do it. Exactly. Like, so I don't know. Do you have any big uh, big holiday plans? Big holiday plans? No. Gonna go skiing in Vermont if there's snow. Yeah. It's so fucking warm, man. Yeah. Unseasonably warm. Yeah, it is pretty warm. Do you think it's an environmental issue? Oh, we're going to bring it down like we did in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We did. A little dark in this. You think? I didn't think it got Uh, that dark. It's just a depressing thing to talk about. Rising sea levels. Yeah. Rising sea levels. um, The world turning into Mad Max. Yeah. It's going to be so gradual. (laughs) It must be different having kids, though, because I'm sort of like... Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we asked for it. But I feel like when you have kids, it's sort of like, ugh, I want to, like, 
Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. it's funny because I often, before I had kids, and maybe maybe quite a while, when I was younger and crazier, man, I, I often thought, I hope the world ends during my lifetime because I would like to be there for it. <laughs> yes. But as we know, the world doesn't end with a bang. It ends with a long, slow You know, it's in- interesting. There's a theory. I should have brought this up with our guest. There's a theory that, you know, a simulation theory that life is just a simulation. Mm-hmm. And part of the theory is that, like, whenever you're nearing the end of your life, like, it seems like the world is ending just because you're going to leave. So it's like, it always seems like the environment and war and all this right. shit is happening, but it's just like, it's just part of the simulation because you can't picture the world without you in it. Right. Good point. And it really seems like that. Are you leaving the simulation? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, I hope not. I felt like I'm just sort of starting to figure things out. Well, we'll know that if, you know, if Trump gets elected, that the simulation has come to an end. I feel like that kind of stuff, you're <laughs> like, this is a little ridiculous, even for a simulation. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's not, that doesn't bode well. Who knows, man? This I watched the de- debate the other night, and it's it's it was. I mean, it was like watching uh, like The Apprentice or something. Yeah, like it's just like Trump's like just like calling Jeb Bush a loser. <laughs> like you've no energy. Your campaign's a joke, and it's just like did you run for president? I know it's really but, embarrassing. But it's unreal. It's yeah. It. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> uh, today on the podcast. <laughs> Is someone who I would vote for for president. Yeah. Probably doesn't want the job because it sounds like his life is way better than president. Yeah, smart Pres- people don't want to be president. Yeah, totally. Uh, ben Jorgensen uh, from Armor for Sleep. Um, he's been a friend of friend of mine for a long time. Um, since 2003, I guess we figured out. And he came by when Armor for Sleep were doing the 10-year um, anniversary dates. For their classic album, What to Do When You're Dead. So, unfortunately, the last show is tomorrow. And we're recording this a couple weeks before we release it. So, you miss the shows. But Ben did tell us that they may have some leftover merch. Possibly, if it doesn't sell out. So, check out their website. Um, There's a vinyl reissue of the album. Maybe some posters and shirts and stuff if you can't be there in person yeah get the vinyl man yeah get the vinyl colored yeah get the colored vinyl everybody likes it yeah it's yeah back even, in print even if you don't have a record player you can put it on the wall it's colored vinyl it looks cool that's true put, put it on your wall um <laughs> what else uh yeah we talked a lot about the band about sort of ben works in music management we talked about that and we also talked a lot about Ray Kurzweil, Technology and the Singularity. Bring it on, man. Which Ben knows a lot about that stuff, which is cool because I feel like we all love talking about that. And I actually learned a lot. Um, so me and Brad are going to shut up. And here's Ben Jorgensen from Armor for Sleep. It's going on, All right. Woo, woo, woo. <clears throat> I feel like we're all like I feel like I'm normally higher energy, but I just got like so soaked that I'm just like feel wet and yeah. dis- disgusting. You got soaked last night. I got soaked in the rain on the way here. You got uh, soaked last night in what, liquor. I did. I also got soaked in liquor last. You had a good night, night last night. 
I hadn't drank in like three months. Um, and then I drank, had a couple beers last night and it hit me pretty hard. What was it like? Um, did you do that for like a reason or are you trying to? Sort of. I was trying to like do exactly what I didn't do last night. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take some time off, get some perspective uh-huh. and then totally like. Was there an incident three months ago? Like a really bad night? Or was it more of like a things leading up to that? Uh, there was, there were a few. I mean, few. you don't have to answer. No, it was, I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was doing some stuff that like. Was not I was wasn't making good decisions. Uh huh. You know how it is. Yeah. So um, I was like, I'm gonna scale back, try to make some better decisions, cool. and I did. Mm-hmm. And then I fell back in my bed. But you know, it actually wasn't that bad last night. I just feel a little out of it. Yeah. Anyways, we're here with Ben Jorgensen, Armor for Sleep. Yes. What's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming by. No problem. You guys just played some shows in L.A. last yeah. week. Last weekend we did San Francisco, Pomona, and uh, Hollywood. How was that? Um, it was awesome. I mean, uh, this is kind of, you know, we decided, I guess, over the summer that we wanted to play some 10-year uh, anniversary shows for What to Do When You're Dead. Um, and so this, we've been, you know, it's all been leading up to these shows, and uh, it's kind of surreal to actually play them. Um, and, uh, it's It's been awesome. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. I I can't, so that record's 10 years old? 10 years old, Yeah. Um, came out in 2005, so we wanted to sneak in these shows before it turned to 2016, or else we couldn't really say it's the yeah, 10 yeah. anniversary tour. Had you guys thought about doing this for a while? Or how well, did it like, come so together? a few years ago, we played, um, got an offer to play Bamboozle, and then, um, played a couple other shows, and I guess we were calling it our farewell tour, because when we broke up, it was just kind of like this, like, weird, awkward thing where we didn't really break up, we just kind of went away, and like, you know... Um, I guess since that happened, I guess social media really became a thing and we just wouldn't stop hearing from these kids who were like, can you at least play some shows because we didn't know you guys were breaking up. So we we're like, all right, we'll play a couple shows. So that was a few years ago and that, you know, kind of like stayed with us. And, and since then this thing online has just been growing with these kids, um, who are like, you have to play 10 year anniversary shows before the year is up. So, uh, we met and we were like, let's see if that's even a possibility. And then, uh. And then we started booking some shows. That's wild. When I saw the guys in your band, like, yeah, one of the guys is a lawyer now. Yeah, he just passed the bar in New York and New Jersey. Anthony, our bass player. Yeah, Anthony, yeah. And uh, PJ's uh, selling real estate in New Jersey. If anyone wants to find a good house in South Orange, okay. uh, find him on Facebook. I'm sure he will be stoked. Good to know. And then Nash is a, a, a drum teacher in Asbury Park. So he's still still kicking kicking it with yeah, the life. I've run into him a couple times, I think. Yep. I remember, I feel like I met you, you guys did a tour with your enemy's friends. <laughs> and Midtown, yeah. And Midtown. Uh-huh. When was that? That had to been oh, man. a um, pretty long time ago. I was definitely living in Ohio. That was, that was definitely before we recorded What to Do When You Were Dead. So that must have been 2003 or something. Okay. Probably 2003. Because I remember you were like super young. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, 19 or 20. Um, and uh, yeah, so at that point, um, Gabe, the singer from Midtown and then Cobra Starship, he kind of was managing us. And um, Midtown was kind of broken up. And then uh, he started managing us and was like, man, I want to I wanna play again. So then Midtown had this whole revival where they, they made another al- album um, that was put out on Columbia. And so then he was managing us and doing midtown at the same time and then uh 
that was that like weird period. And now you're sort of managing Gabe. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Cobra is not a thing uh, anymore. They they announced their disbandment. Oh, but right, yeah, right. So I'm I'm working at Crush uh, Crush Management, who has like a big roster of artists. And one of the first things that I was asked to do, Gabe asked me if I could come in and help um, Cobra out for a bit. So it's like a, a weird little circle of life that we that we live in. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so Ben. We're in Williamsburg. <laughs> so I remember, so you guys had that song Williamsburg. Yeah. And it was sort of, that was probably around like when I moved here, like I want to say like 2007, 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. And now I think I finally get it. <laughs> but it took me a long time to come around. A bunch of people were like, um, you know, were like, oh man, that's like, you like predicted what Williamsburg would be like five years later. And I was like, Really? Because I felt like when, like from my experience, when I was writing that, people were like, you know, that whole thing about like, you know, hipsters being in Williamsburg, like that was like old news to me. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all in jest. People think, people are like, wait, you're going to Williamsburg? Don't you hate that place? I'm like, no, I was kind of joking You probably around, never but... think about it when you're not, I mean. No, I never do. Yeah. Yeah. And also, to be honest, the people who I wrote that song about actually lived in the East Village. So I was just using Williamsburg because it sounded better. So yeah. I don't actually hate Williamsburg. Um, what do you think of Williamsburg, Brad? Yeah, I think it's it changed is. a lot, even I feel like in the last couple of years. It's changed way too fast. It's like, it's one thing to see, you know, the gentrification of some place, but to see it just kind of steamroll, like, a, whatever, eight blocks a year. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty mad. I mean, East Village got gentrified and then turned into, you know, a big playground for NYU students. But that took a long time. It's a couple decades. Williamsburg, it's taken like eight years. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever think about going back to Jersey? To live? Yeah. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like New Jersey. Uh, I grew up there, but I don't think that's where, you know, I want to live and I want to work and the things that I do. I, you know, I guess the industry of what I do is not located in New Jersey. Yeah. Unless I was commuting to the city all yeah, the time. That makes sense. Yeah. What, I mean, how do you sort of look back on like, because when you started the band, how old are you? Um, I was 17 when I wrote the first Armor for Sleep songs. Uh it was right out of high school. I was playing drums for a band in New Jersey called Random Task. And uh, basically I started writing a bunch of the songs at the end of the band and playing guitar. I taught myself how to play guitar. And then I didn't want to do that before college, so I started writing my own songs. Um, and so that was the start of it. I didn't have any other band members until like pretty much like a year later. But um, But yeah, I started when I was 17. Had you been sort of playing a long time before that on your own? Well, I mean... You know, I grew up like going to shows in the city and in New Jersey from when I was 13 years old. So I already had years of experience of like the scene. And like I said, my band Random Task, we played around all the time. Every weekend we were playing shows. So I, you know, at 17, I already felt like I'd been doing it for a while in a weird way. Um, And so had my friends at the time. Um, So... So, yeah, I guess I just got an early start. I mean, what's it like sort of looking back, like, when you play that kind of early stuff now? Like, I, do you feel, like, does it put you... I can't imagine singing something I wrote when I was a teenager, I guess. 
Yeah, it is. It is weird. Um, I think it's, you know, this whole experience has just shown me like this connected with people um, at a certain age and like a a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Like when we play these shows, there are a bunch of kids out there, and it's just more of the power of like you know we were all in the same place at the same time like this music that you know we wrote and the lyrics that you know my 17 year old brain was putting onto paper meant something to these people and playing it now i don't like go back to like what it's like being a 17 year old but sometimes i'm like you know when when there's something that connects like a piece of art that connects with a bunch of people it's it's just interesting you know it's interesting that there was a point in time when there was something that connected with people from a similar age and a similar background you know just like I'm sure if a movie impacts people at a certain point in time, it's just interesting to to think about like why why did that hit these people at this specific moment, you know? Definitely. And um, it, you guys I feel like we're such a part part of like a scene there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that doesn't we feel like we talked about this on podcasts before, that doesn't really exist so much anymore. Right. I mean, how do you sort of do you keep in touch with a lot of those people? I mean, did it feel like you guys or was it just like these are just the other local bands that kinda of happened to No, get I mean it was it was very much a scene and everyone was feeding off of everyone else. And, um, you know, yeah, it, you know, whenever we heard a record that we loved, we would play it in the van and, and, you know, we would try and top something that another band we loved did. You know, it was, it was very much like bands feeding off of each other in this really like, you know, hyper connected way that just kind of fell apart after a while. I mean, you know, I think it's not similar to other scenes where, you know, bands have, you know, taking ideas from each other uh it was just one of those moments where it was happening all around us i think you know for me growing up in new jersey the new jersey scene of the late 90s early 2000s was you know pretty cool because i grew up going to hardcore shows in the city and uh, going to punk rock shows in the city um when i was like 14 and then i would come back to suburbia where i could have a drum set in my basement and i know all my friends were doing that too so there was just a lot going on at that time and it's kind of the best of all worlds, man. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You get to see all the shows in the city and then go back and fucking jam out in the garage. Yep. Can you play drums? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't. I can never. Yeah, that's how I, I started. That was my first instrument. My, uh, I really wanted to be a drummer, so my mom gave me drum lessons uh, when I was in sixth grade. Really? Yeah. So I made my friends play different uh, instruments, and that's how my band in, in high school got started. Yeah. That's great. I wish I knew how to play drums. You can play drums, right? I've got the. I got terrible rhythm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I wish I could just play piano, man. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. You can. Yeah, I bet yeah, you. I should. Probably harder can, now that you're older. I can play yeah. a little bit, but I mean, you know, I was down in Nashville two weeks ago, and we were trying to do some just like goofy tourist thing. <clears throat> so we went out to this dueling piano bar, mm-hmm. and dude, I mean, that's you know, Nashville. The caliber of musicianship is like, it's just the next level for everybody. But these guys, one of these piano players, I think it was probably the best piano player I'd ever seen yeah. play. Mm-hmm. And this guy was doing like a, was a fucking, what was it, like a Wednesday night in this in this like tourist trap yeah. club. It was sick. Yeah, it is. It's harder to learn stuff when you get older, though. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a neurological reason for that. <laughs> totally, yeah. I mean, just like learning language is a lot easier when you're younger. Also, people are really good because they've been doing it for a long time. Right. So if you start later in life, you're just not going to have as many years to do it. You know, a really good pian- pianist, I'm sure, started getting lessons at five. So by yeah. the time they're 25, they have 20 years of 
you know, maybe a lot of practice under their belts. It right. just takes a while to accumulate. The worst is languages. Hours Lang- I mean, because if you, yeah. you know, if you if you know one instrument, you've kind of got the finger strength and the. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, but like, God, languages. I mean, I know. I tried yeah. to learn a new language recently, and I forgot about you know, like there's male and female pronouns. Mm-hmm. And then, I, then once I got into, that, I was just like, I can't remember. Like a desk is a male, but right. like a chair is a female. I was like, I'm never gonna remember all this. Yeah. So I, I, I just I, forget yeah. immediately. I started learning Hebrew when I was four, and I could probably, you know, speak it pretty fluently now. And it's just because my brain was really know, a sponge at that age. But I think that's like. There's a reason why you learn languages at that age. I think that's a survival mechanism. You know, yeah. you know we that, couldn't learn to communicate. I don't think we'd be. Very do you know good. that if you learn yeah. another a second language, like at that age, like a really young age, when you're kind of that, uh, it actually makes it easier to learn languages later because it actually you're, that part of your brain that 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 is responsible for learning languages actually is bigger physically. They've done right. studies that show that, like, so. Yeah, yeah. T- teach your kids a language early because it, it literally it's like a muscle, right? That gets developed so that then you could. Like, I believe it. So you could now learn an, uh, a third language easier than yeah. Somebody could learn I'll a second. Do, language. I get to work tonight. <laughs> I, yeah, I got bar mitzvahed and I read a bunch of Hebrew, but I feel like I mostly just memorized it. Right. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't. I was talking about learning languages with Anthony, my bass player, and he did Rosetta Stone for. Greek? Do you do you know how Rosetta Stone works? Uh-uh, I would really. imagine you just listen to the things and it's like this is how to say car. So Rosetta Stone, they they actually do not speak a word of English if you're learning another language. Every single word you hear is in the other language, and um, it's it's just like this crazy way to to learn a language. You you learn the language by basically guessing what a right word is. No, you know, it, there's no memorization. Really? It's like the natural way of learning. Yeah. So it's like how. Kids learn, yeah. Exactly. How you learn your first language. Yeah, it's like guessing. No it's, like, it's like basically there's like a picture of a duck and they say four different words and you just guess until you get the right one. And then and then you know that's how to say duck. And then like there's oh another God. test. So it's like, you know. That's really smart. Yeah, I know. But that's, you know, our brains absorb things in very Holy strange shit. ways. That's really that interesting. Wild. Yeah, I totally thought it was just like being, I took Latin in high school. Yeah, probably torturous. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took a class called Phenomenon of Language, which mm-hmm. is for kids who basically like, like stoners like me <laughs> who like didn't t- take French or Spanish <laughs> but yeah and I remember I, yeah I remember well, yeah it's a weird it makes me sound really old Latin? yeah like I can't believe they were still teaching Latin when I was do they not teach it anymore? there's no way they teach it did they have Latin when you were going to school? Mm, no. I mean what would be the point of learning it really? I, what was the point then? <laughs> yeah you're gonna be a priest? <laughs> no um what kind of stuff it seems like i feel like whenever i look at you on instagram or something you're like on a beautiful beach somewhere <laughs> surrounded by palm trees <laughs> that's what instagram is for I know, yeah. I know, that's true that's true it's all photoshop <laughs> yeah uh what kind of stuff do you like to do sort of outside of your work and music kind of um you have a couple weeks off what's your yeah i mean i love i love um i love nature and being outside and uh you know I got married a couple years ago and we went on our honeymoon to Hawaii and it was like the most magical, amazing place on earth. It's like, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been to Hawaii? I have, yes. What island did you go to? I can't remember. Oahu, the main one maybe? I think the main one. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, so Oahu is like, Oahu has Honolulu, which is like a city. So you go there, it kind of seems like Miami. Everywhere else though, on the other islands, it's like so untouched and beautiful. Like for me living in New York City, it's hard to imagine that places like that exist on this planet. It's like, 
it, you know, it's like paradise, you know, and, um, yeah. Food so, on trees. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, you, you go out in a, in a little boat, and there are just pods of dolphins, and you could just jump in the water and swim with hundreds of dolphins. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Anyway, so yeah, so that kind of like you know, I think I, I think after living in the city, I really enjoy getting away and um, you know, going to beautiful places and experiencing uh, you know the planet. Maybe you know before it's. Before it's, before it's gone. Yeah, well, not before it's gone, but like Hawaii, like who knows how long those beautiful islands will stay untouched. You know there's going to be a planet Hollywood there. Right. Know, well, what, that's like, what blows my mind about Hawaii. You know, I had gone, I've been there a few times, mm-hmm. but like when I, the first time I went, I was, I was, and the, and the second time I was blown away by um, how, how, how few people there are there. Yeah. yeah the first thing you think is that it's these small, self-contained, uh-huh. literally islands, right? And like I just figured it was gonna, they're just going to be covered in fucking exactly. luxury homes and hotels, and it's like it's just once you get out of like the you know each one has its one major city that's mm-hmm. not that big, and then once you get out of it, it's like just tiny towns, small towns. Yeah, like it's just yeah. And so I know on certain people. islands like the island of Kauai, which is my favorite. Um, yeah, that was the last they, one. I went they to. have a. a a law that you can't build any structure taller than a palm tree and that's strictly to <laughs> not have like skyscrapers yeah. and, and everything and you know they 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 care yeah. and um that's cool yeah i should go back there i went there when my sister had cancer we went on like a make-a-wish trip mm-hmm. so it was like kind of a bummer trip yeah it was fun but i feel like it'd be better yeah. to go back like yeah the big island's should... really cool too because it's just so brutally like have you been to the big island yep mm-hmm that, that's an amazing place. It's in there's an active a few active yeah. volcanoes on the island. And really? It's all yeah. It's like black lava rock everywhere. You're some parts of it look. I mean, it feels like you're standing on the moon. Um, yeah, it's exactly. It's what really I'm cool. Saying. You don't see any like when you come. Like they were telling somebody was telling me that like tourists when they first come there, if they haven't been to Hawaii before, they basically freak out because they're landing on what looks like the moon right. and you don't even yeah. see like if you don't unless you look really carefully when you're in the airplane you don't even see like green green it's just these tiny little strips of green along the coast yeah and, like beaches and then just black yeah, big it's, island's interesting yeah it's amazing so could those volcanoes just like explode one day yeah well, they are actually um and when you buy a house in the big island there are different zones and you can be in a lava flow zone right um or a not and lava flow zones are a lot cheaper to live in <laughs> and actually when we were there there was a lava there was a volcano that was um wasn't erupting it was more like i guess oozing or something but it was active and it was rolling into a town and you can't stop um lava from flowing you know you can't just like put up uh, yeah, there's a concrete wall like it's a very <laughs> slow moving but certain death yeah. so you know it's really unfortunate people had to move because this lava flow is just you know going to overtake the town And but that's what volcanoes tend to do yeah, that's what happens if you're in the lava zone I guess yeah I know <laughs> and yeah exactly and I think it was like a very low income yeah. like these places are low income so you know it sucks for those that's people but, I just read this art- really long article about like Miami And, like, how it's basically, like, how certain areas are already just, like, totally flooded. And how they think, like, the whole, like, that area of southern Florida is, like... It's already because of the rising, sea, yeah, sea and, yeah, and it's really, like, really serious over there. Yeah. And all, people are building all these mansions, and they're like, dude, like, they're not gonna... Not gonna last. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. We're, yep, very scary what's going on right now. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is pretty scary. Or, uh, I don't know if scary, it's more sad for me, Yeah, you know? Um, and 
you know, it's depressing to read those articles from scientists who basically have come to the conclusion that it's pretty much irreversible, you know, and like it's too late at this point. And I don't, I don't think, you know, we should like stop trying to help. Right. And just like have orgies in the streets or whatever. But if that's true, that it really sucks. Yeah, totally. I just think, yeah, people are just going to have to change the way they live. Yeah, Mad or- Max. <laughs> Mad Max, yeah. It's a different, different way of life. <laughs> are you uh, ready? Are you ready for Mad Max? No. <laughs> I'm definitely not you ready. Look, you, you look like you Don't let the mustache be. fool you. <laughs> I know I look crazy, but I'm still not you very gotta tough. Have, do you have any weapon, any kind of weird weapon? Like a curved scimitar. <laughs> I have like a banjo. <laughs> Is that a weapon in your hands? Maybe. <laughs> it can be. I've heard, a drum head I've definitely it. heard banjo used as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in my hands. Um, <laughs> what's it sort of like for you to sort of be on the other side of the music industry? I mean, is that, is it fun for you? Is well, it annoying? Like, so I never, you know, I don't, I don't, so like, I never saw myself working in the business side of things. Um, I didn't want to, you know, I mean, I, I was always first and foremost like an, like a songwriter and, and, but the, the heads of crush called me up and were like, Hey, we think you could help out with other artists we have in like a creative way, basically. Cause one, a part of my job is to help other people find that thing that's going to help them connect with a bunch of people. And I think that's, you know, really magical. And, you know, if I could help, um, facilitate that for other people, you know, I think that like, um, to me, you know, it's it's being a part of of something that could affect people's lives, even if it's not, you know, me being the billboard of, you know, what's going out there. You know, like I kind of like I did that for a while, and there's a reason why I didn't want to keep doing it. You know, so it's 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 nice to be able to help other people find their paths to, like, I think, you know, how they can express themselves through music. I mean, do you? Did you like being the center of attention or was it not what you wanted or? I think in the beginning I had never had that before and, you know, I think I was very shy. And so writing these songs that meant something to people and then, you know, getting attention from it, I think maybe at the beginning like filled a void that uh, had never been filled within me before. And, you know, then, you know, being being a performer, it's kind of a repetitive process, you know, like I always loved being creative and what i didn't necessarily love as much was like jumping on stage every night and being like look at me here's a song like buy my stuff and then doing it again and again you know it's a lot of advertisement you know like what's that quote you don't become a rock star by accident you know you really have to like want that spotlight and like i don't don't know that i did after a certain point you know and 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 i think how our band was going we were kind of like riding a similar trajectory to strangely how the internet was going and social media and the demand for content started really rising um when we reached like the end of you know our time as a band and what that meant was that it was more about you know producing content putting yourself out there and that's kind of like the opposite of how we started i feel like we started because we were kind of this weird band that put out songs that intrigued people and then you know with the with the rise of social media is like we needed to like be this walking billboard and you know that that became I just don't, I don't think that that's really my personality. So that wasn't going to work with me as that kind of thing. I think it's smart though, because like I have so many friends who are in bands Mm -hmm. until they were like in their thirties and then it's sort of, they stopped and then they're sort of like, well, what do I do now? Right. Like, it's cool that you have something else sort of like. Well, I mean, it helps you, you know, there's not been anybody that's had a career in music that hasn't had 
some other thing that they can be serious about when they're not doing it. It, it yeah. seems like, you know, whether it's like like a whole other kind of career trajectory, whether it's art, whether it's like... Um, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, I think it's, we're talking about the the brain and learning languages. I think the brain is like, I mean, it's it's the most complicated thing in the universe, uh, literally. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's it's a shame to think that you can only do one thing in your life. And I never thought that about myself. And, you know, I look up to people like Trent Reznor, who was able to do music, and then he's also kind of like a doing something in technology. And, yeah. you know, it's because... You know, I'm sure he his brain is capable of a lot of things, you know, and, and I think, you know, I think I realized that about myself. Like, I, I never just wanted to be one thing. I think that would, uh, you know, that, w- that would just make me bummed out. Like, I always want to be trying new things and, and seeing what else I could be good at. And, you know, I, and... It's because you're I a smart people, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it, does it, like, lose any of the magic, though? Like, when you find out, like, sort of, like, what happens behind closed doors and, like, the politics of the industry and that kind of stuff? Or is it kind of more interesting to you? Well, I always thought, you know, if you're going to be a magician, you got to learn how to do the trick. And the <laughs> trick is not... The trick, you know, there's nothing... There's nothing magical about knowing that, you know, you have a machine in your pocket that takes out a card, but you want to be a magician because you want other people to feel the magic. So in order to write a song, you need to know, oh, there's something called a chorus that needs to repeat two or three times or else people are going to lose interest. So you learn that trick. You're like, okay, I'm going to formulate a song around these set of parameters and my creativity will shine through, uh, you know, these boundaries. Just like a haiku is so limiting because you have to follow this pattern of syllables, but that really sometimes that's the creativity shine. Anyway, so I think that sometimes to get to the end point of the magic, you need to learn what goes on behind the scenes and you have to deconstruct how it happens. And, um, you know, if you care about what you're doing enough, then you care about to learn how to, um, how, how it functions. You know, you, you lift up the curtain, you see how the gears work. And then depending on what your intentions are, you know, everyone has their own intentions, but you can, you can produce what you want through, through learning how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And my, I hope my intentions are pure and then I'm just trying to get to like, you know, with my work now and helping other people out, I want to get to that magical connection that people feel through music because I think that's really powerful and my motivation is not money. You know what I mean? I think if you try and do that, then that's how sometimes the machinery falls apart. Um, so yeah, no, that's true. I also think that you're totally right about the brain, too. I was just reading this thing about how, like, we can, like, build new limbs and all this stuff, but, like, scientists still, like, have no idea how the brain works. Yeah, totally. It's pretty wild. The brain is wild. Yeah, well, Rick yeah, Kurzweil's been, like, wild. trying to, like, reverse engineer the brain. Mm, yep. And I saw him speak about that, and it was it's pretty interesting. Yeah, he thinks it's going to happen pretty soon. There's some debate on that. But, yeah, I mean, the brain is just basically a massive machine. I mean, even... You know, you think of the world's most powerful supercomputers that have rooms and rooms full of these crazy computers. They can't even they can't even touch the amount of processing power in the human brain in the way that intelligent thought uh, behaves. So we still don't know how it works. But oh, good news too on the brain. I just yeah. actually read last night: <laughs> alcohol doesn't kill brain cells. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's great news, Brad. It does. It's short term. We'll shut them down. Really? That's They'll awesome. Back. But yeah. Um, do you feel like the singularity is near? <laughs> uh, I, I do, yeah. yeah. I love Ray Kurzweil. I think his timeline might be a little bit off. What um, does he say, 2045 or 2045 something? is around what he thinks. Um, but I don't think anyone really questions that we're going to be able to reproduce intelligence. And, you know, 
I think what he says about how an intelligent machine would be able to uh, enhance their intelligence pretty much infinitely, like it's pretty hard to argue with that. Yeah, um, it was cool because I saw him speak, and then someone was in the audience was like, "Well, what if we don't want to? Like, I don't want to have robots in my bloodstream. Like, I don't want this stuff." Yeah. And he was like, "He's like, well, you do it already. It's like when you're on your phone and you look something up, that's going into the cloud." That's doing it. And he's like, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to, and you're just going to die out. He's like, it's going to be like, it's going to take over like a biological revolution, just to be technological. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just got, um, uh, I have a Samsung Note 5, and I just got uh, the Samsung Gear VR, which is pretty much the first commercially available virtual reality. How is that way? Dude, it's nuts. It's going to change everything. Like Oculus Rift is coming out next year, so is the PlayStation version of it. Once you try on, um, you know, what you'll be able to buy in the next year, it's coming, man. Like, everything's going to change really fast. Not not just from virtual reality, but, you know, that goes with the whole, you know, us existing uh, parallel to all of our technology. You know, it's we're going to be, we're just going to merge with that more and more, um, obviously. So how... How does it work? You put your phone in this, is it like glasses or something? Yeah, it's 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 really simple, actually. The, the headset doesn't have any electronics in it. You 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 clip your phone to, basically it's like two, um, it's like, it looks like goggles, you know, and then the phone goes into a mode where it has two, uh, split, two screen. Yeah, split screen images. <clears throat> and when you look through the glass lenses, it's three dimensional. And it has motion sensing, so it tells when you turn your head, it will change how you look. But you know, if you have if you have one of those phones, this thing is a hundred bucks. It's really it's really cool. Yeah, I tried the Oculus. You did? This guy, yeah, there's a guy that was yeah. here that was beta testing. It, yeah, and it was like I tried that too. The thing about that is you have to carry around a really yeah, heavy duty computer. Um, where this, like, I, I I got it in the mail an hour before we were set to go to play shows in California, so I threw it in my bag and on the plane. I probably looked like a freak, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I think that's that's going to be huge when people can just carry these things around. And of course, it's this is going to look ridiculous in five years that they look like ski goggles because in five years, you know, whatever they might be in contact lenses. Right, exactly, that's the goal. But do you think that, like, I mean, do you think that we're going to have this stuff kind of just kind of implanted into our brains eventually? I mean, do you think like we're going to look back at cell phones and be like, that was so ridiculous? Remember when you carried that thing around? Yes, absolutely. Um, but who knows in what form it will come like the biggest thing about if you watch movies where like back to the future where they predict people in the future they nobody ever guessed that we'd have each have computers in our hands like cell phones you know what i mean like they all knew we'd have like advanced technology but like no movie ever predicted that and so i don't think we can predict what it's going to be whether it's going to be like we're jacking ourselves into the matrix with like a plug in the back of our head you know it'll probably look different than that but it you know it'll be something well, yeah, I read an article, too, that was talking about that, and it was, like, all the, f- whatever, the flying cars, the hoverboards, they're, like, all the technology's been applied towards, like, social net, like, yep. social stuff, yeah. not so much, a, yeah. like, tech, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that is, I guess maybe that's, like, just, like, a very human thing to just want to connect with people. Well, yeah, right. that's where, that's where the money is, you know? I know, dude, I feel like people pay a lot for flying cars, too. <laughs> the flying car is just not going to happen, obviously. <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess we have drones. drones. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of the same idea. Hyperloop could happen. Oh, God, I hope so. That's the best. That'd be cool. That's the most amazing tech. It's a vacuum. It's like, it's the equivalent of like, you know, those office, those old office vacuum tubes that they would send documents to? It's exactly the same thing. You just build these tubes 
like it's faster than it's faster than flying a jet. So it's basically they would build these um, <clears throat> these circular tube systems. So it would be most functional between two cities, like between like LA and San Francisco, is the proposed first one. And what it is is it combines magnets that would propel. Um, vehicles through an enclosed tube, and it's also a vacuum, so they take out all the air, so there's no air friction. So you can accelerate these little pods to like 600 miles an hour, so you could get from LA to San Francisco in 30 minutes. The weather doesn't affect them at all because they're not outside. Um, There's no traffic in them. Um, And the coolest part is Elon Musk uh, had, you know, the guy who, head of Tesla, he had these plans for what he called Hyperloop, and he basically released it online and says, this is an open source program. Um, I challenge any company to like build these. And there are now companies um, that took his plans and are building them. And I'm sure he'll get shares of it, but like he's not actually really developing it. He just yeah. released the plans. To the so world. Is it, it's underground or something? No, it's no. above ground. It would be built like um, maybe using like a monorail. highway plions or something. Could look like a monorail. Yeah. Okay. But the, there's the, the next level after that would be, would be, they don't have the tunneling technology, but if we develop, if we can improve in tunneling, the next one after that would be to do, like, say, to make a tunnel between New York and L.A., right? But because the earth curves, you could do, like, a straight tunnel. So, in effect, it would be, like, when you left New York, you'd be going downhill, right? Even though it's straight. But since it's a vacuum tube, you would actually fall. So, the f- so, that, so that it, it would require, essentially, like, no energy, because you would accelerate <laughs> by gravity, and then by the time you got going fast enough, you'd kick in, like, the, the, the engines when you're, like, halfway there or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it would use, like, hardly any energy. That, that's really that, – that one's a ways off because the tunneling thing would be difficult, but um, that's the ideal scenario for this. And, and they're talking about, like, literally you, you could order Chinese food from China for dinner. No <laughs> way. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like the like the biggest waste of that technology. <laughs> but I mean, it's like yeah, there. It's like yeah, what? What was it for that for the underground one? I mean, it would be the same if it was above ground, but you'd have to go underground obviously to go to yeah. Europe. But um, yeah, and no, also these things like, would be super cheap. Like Elon Musk proposed it because they were thinking of putting a, the mag the mag train or whatever between San Francisco and L.A. Um, which would actually be insanely expensive and pretty slow, relatively. So he proposed this plan, and it's actually like it would be super cheap to build um, because it's all it's all solar powered. I believe it's all so- solar panels that power everything, and yeah. there's no exhaust. Um, yeah, one of my favorite. He's a smart What did he heat things? The last thing well, he did some kind so of energy much. thing. Where you yeah, put in your he, house. He, uh, yeah, he's got um, batteries. Um, right. That can power houses. Uh, he does the whole um, SpaceX, which is like, you know, I mean, NASA uses SpaceX rockets, I'm pretty sure. It's like just commercial space travel. And then Tesla. Right. Um, which I got to drive a Tesla in Hawaii, by the way. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Really? <laughs> they had them at the hotel we were staying at just like to test drive. What was it like? Um, it was awesome. First of all, there are two things that I'll tell you about the awesome. One, in a car, even like um, an automatic, you still feel the gears shift when you step on the acceleration, you know, because even though you're not the one changing the gear, you still feel a bump. In a Tesla, it's an electric motor. So there's no, like when you step on the acceleration, it just ramps up without, you know, it's right. just a strange feeling. Another thing is that um, it's basically like an, uh, like as customizable as an iPhone, like, um, 
For instance, it's an electric car, so when you go to a red light and you take your foot off the accelerator, it doesn't lurch forward like a normal car does because it has a different engine. But you can go on the big uh, touchscreen menu and toggle an option that replicates the feeling of lurching forward (laughs) when you take your foot off the accelerator. And you just, like, toggle it on and the car automatically is updated. It's like... You know, turn ringtone on or off or, you know. Well, you know, the other big, like, research now is trying to figure out what to make it sound like. Because people are going to get killed by electric cars. Oh, because they're so quiet? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out, like, what should it sound? Should it sound like a car? It can make it sound like anything. (laughs) They're going to put speakers in the front of electric cars to fucking... That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And that's why we need robocars anyway. Well, then people are scared that people can also, like, hack into... Well, I guess that's more the self-driving cars and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but didn't that happen with some like people like just hack- bring it on? I need a robot car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting things I read about those. The robot cars. Yeah. Well, like okay, so a robot car is designed to like save human life or whatever. So if there's someone that runs in front of the road, it's like this is a human. I have to swerve out of the way. So let's say there's a situation where there are like three people on one side of the road and one person on the other, but the car has to swerve. Is the car going to be programmed to like kill the least amount of people? <laughs> or like it's going to have to right, be programmed right. to make life saving decisions that could potentially kill other people, right. you know, it just needs options. And, and people are like, they don't know how to program for those situations right. because then it's not a person, you know. Well, and the other question is, will the RoboCar kill its occupant to save lives outside? Exactly. That's, a, that's another really good option. <laughs> yeah. Or is it somehow bound to the occupant because the occupant right. paid for it, so it would choose to kill the five pedestrians? Right. It's weird. That's pretty yeah. cool. I haven't got to do that weird. yet, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love this kind of shit. <laughs> I know. I had, like, a real problem where, like, I was have girls like if i have a date i would bring a girl to my apartment and they'd be like what do you want to do I'd be like, do i watch transcendent man <laughs> and then like halfway through they'd be like what what is this like watching this old guy take like a hundred pills like this is like <laughs> but pretty good documentary yeah is good. that how you get girls to sleep with you you just bore them into like they're like you know what let's well, just it's, do it's, it this let's is a bedroom so. no, that's, how, that's how i get girls not to sleep with <laughs> i'm super good at it um so do you guys have a lot kind of more stuff coming up? At, at, I mean, after the anniversary, do you have anything planned or is it sort of no, it No, so a while? Uh, we're playing at uh, Webster tomorrow night here in the city and then um, on Saturday in Boston. And then then that's it. Um, we don't, we don't. I mean, you know, these shows have been awesome and, you know, we spent a lot of time together, obviously, like rehearsing and, and being on the road. Um but we don't have anything planned. I mean, we we're all pretty busy with you know our our normal lives, and um, so it's kind of tough. But it it's definitely you know it it, it brought up uh, some some feelings of you know what we've all been through together, and that you know this thing still exists. That there's like a small faction of people that are excited about. But I don't I don't think we're like planning anything after that. You know, I I kind of feel like. Sometimes bands get excited for doing these things, and then they'll be like, "We're putting out an album," and then it's like, "All right, dudes, like yeah. you're yeah, yeah. saying you're welcome." Like, I'd rather not do that whole thing, and you know, unless there's like an immediate need, like unless uh, I go home and write like seven awesome armor for sleep songs, which I'm not going to do, then it's like you know, we're not going to like half-ass anything. Do you ever think about just starting another band, or just? To- I mean. In like, if it was 2006, yeah, I just, I know how, how, how shit works and, and, 
you know, I mean, I might put out music, but I, I don't want to like full on like do that again. It's just, you know, like, like we were talking about before my personality, I just, you know, I don't, I just don't really have the desire to like put myself out there in the same way, in the way that it probably requires you to do it. And like, you know, so I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll do something small at some point, but I don't, I don't have that drive to like go out and like take over the world, you know? Yeah, do you- you feel like you'd rather hang out in Hawaii than sleep on someone's floor and like diver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit nicer. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That's yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think that's what motivates a lot of like twenty year old kids to go out there and and do something is like the drive to like really get their get their name out there and you know and I feel like I I, I did that you know and like you know I, I I don't need to like I don't have that hunger to do that again and to put myself out there and. You know, yeah, I'm happy with what what I went through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you, do you like sort of follow newer bands and that kind of stuff? I mean, I guess you have to sort of for your work. Yeah, I follow newer bands. It's different though. I mean, like you said, the scene back then I think was a lot cooler to follow because you know you were following individual bands, but you were also in the scene that you were following. And so, well, yeah, I, I follow bands that I like, but. Um, not in the same way, I guess. What kind of stuff have you been into lately? Any anything people can um, check out? Oh, I see. I don't know. Probably just what everyone else likes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're gonna, I'm going to see Beach Slang tonight. Oh, sweet. That should be good. Um, cool. Where are they playing? Knitting Factory. Mm-hmm. And they want me to like roast them before they're set. <laughs> so I wrote a bunch of jokes about them. I'm incredibly nervous about it. <laughs> Are you going to have it written out? I have it written out, but I've been sort of practicing it. Mm-hmm. My sister does it before a lot of United Nations shows. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of just like, we have a similar sensibility. Does she roast you the most, pretty much? Yeah. yeah. She does everyone individually. She uh-huh. roasts the audience a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, me and her do this web series, mm-hmm. and it sort of came out of her roasting my old band when she lived in Chicago, because we'd like play the Empty Bottle, and she'd get on stage, and no one knew who she was at that point. She'd yeah. be like... Empty bottle, more like empty club. Where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> like, we all thought it was hilarious, and everyone was like, "What's going on?" And it just once she got an SNL and stuff, it just like continued, and now yeah. it's funny because people are like, "Why is this person here?" <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, funny. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun to just make fun of people <laughs> sure. when they're about to play a show. <laughs> Have you guys ever had anyone roast you guys? No. Would you like Jonas? Would you? <laughs> okay, you're playing Webster Hall tomorrow. It doesn't give me a lot of time to work on material. Are you? Which room are you guys playing? Um, it's the Marlin Room. Okay, that's where we played actually last time we were there. How was it? It was cool. It's like um, I've I, been there before. Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have played the main room or just like packed out the Marlin Room. I think it's a better and, move packing yeah. out the Marlin Room because it's still pretty. I mean, it still holds like 600 people or something. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, yeah, well, that'll be cool. And do you do you guys do like any like reissues or anything? Um, well, we printed the vinyl of the record for the first time. It, they never printed was it on that vinyl. Equal Vision. It was Equal Vision. Okay. Yeah. So there have been, I guess, three pressings so far. I didn't know that there were like different colors for each pressing, but I guess there was a first pressing, and then a pink one, and then a white one that we only sell at shows or something. I think I only knew this because some guy was like, "I got all three. and I was like, "I didn't know there were three different ones." Um, so people can get those now. The they can the get yeah. I think I think the ones we're selling at the shows are exclusive to the shows, but I could okay. be mistaken. So don't shoot me if I'm wrong. But do you, have, um, do you keep all that stuff? Like, the records, you, yeah. Like do you have all? Um, your... I'll try and snag a record probably yeah. of this one. 
Um, I, I don't know. I don't usually, no, I don't keep like memorabilia and stuff. Yeah. I used to. Yeah. And now I don't really, it takes up too much space. Yeah. Um, the concert posters are nice though. I'll probably keep one of those. Yeah, you should. Frame it, put it in a bathroom or something. <laughs> You're going to want it someday. It's yeah. good. Keep a little bit of memorabilia. Do you have a lot of, Brad was in a band called The Goops. Yeah, cool. I have a lot of They're in the Mallrat soundtrack. Big time. Is that yeah. our claim to Big fame? Yeah, <laughs> I'm always impressed by that. Really? Yes. <laughs> that's a great movie. Yeah. I should watch it again. Is Ben Affleck? Yeah. The young Ben Affleck? And um, yeah. who else was in it? The blonde girl with the high-pitched voice. Yeah, what? Yeah, well, not Zoe. Whatever she, she's like she a dude, she's like a guy's name or something. Yeah, I can't. I should remember. I should know all this. I know people are listening to this, like shouting it. Like you guys are <laughs> such idiots. <laughs> oh man, I could look it up, but that would be too easy. Liv Tyler, is she in that? No, no, no. no I wish. Thinking Empire. Joe, is her name Joey? Something. Yeah, it was Joey something. I'm not gonna look it up, dude. I don't know. This is probably like the most boring way to end a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we not but remember? Just five minutes trying to remember this person's name, <laughs> and we're definitely not going to figure it out. No, we're definitely not. Joey Bishop. Joey? Is it, no, it's incorrect. No. All right, I'm gonna look it up. Let's Fuck look it up, you. and this will be the grand finale. For the record, I said Zoe, so that may I may get some points for rhyming. If yeah, it's Joey. I think I think you know, I'm not totally sure. And the answer is. Joey Adams. Joey Damn, Adams. Okay. Yeah, I. It was like on the tip of my tongue. I don't think I ever knew. Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty. Oh, that's right. Did you go to the premiere, Brad? Uh, yeah. Really? Well, we were the single. We were the. We got the single, and what was the single? Stephen Smith really liked this. It was a cover of "Build Me Up Buttercup." Um, but uh, yeah. So they flew us out to Comic Con in San Diego. And that's awesome. Was and Comic-Con, like, really small at that time? No, it was pretty big. Oh, really? Yeah, it when was, was that, like, 90? 96, I think. Okay. No, ni- 95. It was 95. Yeah, Comic-Con was pretty crazy, but, um... Yeah, it was pretty pimp. I mean, at that point, we were touring in vans and shit, and they fly us out, and we each have a suite. And then That's hotel, awesome. Like, you know, we everybody, like, ordered room service uh, and then called everybody else and was like, dude, I just ordered a six-pack and, and shrimp cocktail. Come to my room. And like, oh, fuck you. I just ordered a steak and a six-pack. <laughs> we all just stayed in our rooms. <laughs> we didn't, I, didn't, I remember I didn't like the movie, though. You didn't? Uh, I like it now, but when it came out... I mean, he had done Clerks, right? And this right. was like, I think the first thing after Clerks. And it was not as fucking good or as funny. Yeah. And uh, so we were kind of just sitting there in the theater going, oh, shit. What do we say about this? <laughs> but your song is in the movie? Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it's, I can't remember the scene, but it's in there. <laughs> I'm going to watch that again. That's and it. we refused to be in the video. We were so, we were too punk. Yeah, the video has, it just has Kevin Smith and Jason yeah. Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob. And they didn't want to be in it. It's so stupid. We were too punk for our own good. <laughs> literally. literally. <laughs> we're just too stupid. All right. All right. Hey. Hey there. Love talking about myself. Yes, that was a great way to end the podcast. Brad talking about his glory days as a rock star. Why did you do that? That's uh, that's what it seems like when I do that. No, I like it. How often do you get to talk about this stuff? Yeah, I know. 
Let's talk about it here. Yeah, I, it's interesting to everyone except you. Let me tell you, kids. I, I know. I, you know. I feel like I learned some lessons, and I feel like at some point I should write a book. How not to? How not to do it, or whatever. I don't know. I actually start. You know, when the band broke up, I actually started a book, and I had the, the title was "Who Cares." <laughs> The Rise and Fall of an East Village Rock Band. That was going to be the title. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, Do you ever think about doing any Goops reunion shows like Armored no, for Sleep? Wouldn't no. happen. You don't think so? Um, I mean, I don't know. It could happen. If it was the original lineup with like Petey. Yeah. Could definitely do it, I think. There's just still, I think, too much. There's some. I don't think it would work with the final lineup. Gotcha. The breakup lineup. Yeah. That happens. But yeah, I saw Eleanor recently. She looks great. Yeah. I don't know if she's singing, but um, yeah, she could. we could do a good... It, we could do it. It would be fun. I think it would be cool. I would love to see you play guitar. Um, yeah, I would need to practice, dude. Yeah. I'm definitely out of shape. I'm sure it comes back to you. Um, what about you? Um, what about your guitar playing? I'm a little rusty. I have a... I've been playing, I've been write, write, trying to write some stuff for United Nations, so I've been pulling it out pretty much every day, all right, but I've been playing this telly with a Bigsby on it. Oh, wow. Which is That's pretty a cool. classic. Yeah, I, it's crazy. I bought it from Musician's Friend like 10 or 11 years ago and kind of forgot about it, and then last time I was at my parents' house, I was like in the basement poking around, and there's just like a tweed case, and I opened it up, and it's like... Forgot about this Perfect guitar. condition, like telly, like tremolo like so i brought it back up with me and now it's it's i've been playing a lot i saw a lot of i was in nashville a couple weeks ago and a lot of tellies obviously but dude the bar for guitar playing in that town forget about it yeah you're saying that on the podcast i'm sure don't leave the house yeah unless you can shred yeah saw quite a few guitar solos they were good were you going to a lot of shows went to a no we went out a couple times but just uh you know, the is it just like you walk down the street and there's some dude just like tearing it up? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we, yeah, we went. I mean, you know, on Broadway is like the main drag there where they where the clubs are. It's kind of like Sixth Street in Austin. Yeah, you, know, you can just okay. pop, pop in and out. It's not like a huge cover. So yeah, you can kind you can just see a lot of bands. It's good. I like Nashville. I like that town. I haven't been there in a while. I've not been there. I recommend it. All right. Good well, food too, man. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> you, you heard, heard it, it buried, here first at the last. You heard it buried at the end of this podcast. Check out Nashville for some good food. Yeah, do it. Uh, um, check out Going Off Track for some good podcasts. Hell yeah. Goingofftrack.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can um, leave us a good review on iTunes. You can donate for our server costs. You can donate a dollar. Somehow, that goes somewhere. <laughs> I'm not totally sure. It's more Stephen's apartment, but uh, yeah, thanks so much to um, Ben uh, for coming by, and uh, yeah, check out check out Armor for Sleep. If you haven't checked them out, I mean, they're not really still a band anymore, but you can still go back and listen to the records because uh, the records still exist. And if you like emo music. They were pretty good back in the day, I gotta say. It's there. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. You just gotta go seek it out. All right. We will be back next week. Uh, Take care.